Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, I give the driver's seat to my Salt and Light colleagues who covered the extraordinary synod on the family that took place in Rome in October 2014. In January this year, 2015, Salt and Light hosted a special presentation in Toronto on this Synod of Bishops. The presentation was led by Father Thomas Rosica, our CEO, who was joined by three of our producers, Sebastian Gomes, who covered the Synod in English, Charles Le Bourgeois, who did the French coverage, and Rodney Leung, who led our Chinese coverage. The evening was a beautiful time to share our Synod experience with the general public. What follows is the radio edition of From Synod to Synod, Father Rosica will begin with a brief introduction that was followed by a video. Today, you will hear many voices from the Synod, archbishops and cardinals from all over the world, from Honduras to New Zealand, India and Ukraine, as well as bits from our coverage from our programs, including Perspectives and Vatican Connections. You can find this video and all our Synod coverage at saltandlighttv.org slash synod. The first voice you'll hear in the video is from Cardinal Oscar Rodriguez Maradiaga of Honduras. But first, here is Father Thomas Rosica. Good evening and welcome to this very special evening from Synod to Synod. We are here in the theater of St. Michael's College School in downtown Toronto. It's the end of January 2015, and we're living through one of the most exciting periods of church history. Many of us remember the Second Vatican Council over 50 years ago. And tonight's evening is situated in the context of the Second Vatican Council and one of the great fruits of that council, which was the establishment of the Synod of Bishops. Most of us don't know what a synod is, or if we do, we think it's a story of a bunch of men gathered in an upper room talking and a pope being present. But as you can see from this picture, it was not just older men that were present in that room, we had some young people present as well, representing Salt and Light Television of Canada, who were formally invited by the Vatican inside the Synod to document the Synod, not just for Salt and Light, but for the world. We put together a very special video for you this evening to take you behind the scenes, inside the Vatican, and to set the stage for one of the most exciting periods of church history under the helmsman is Pope Francis. Enjoy this brief video that whets your appetite for what we experienced in October and what lies ahead for us. Cardinal Oscar Rodriguez Maradiaga of Honduras. First of all, I have to tell you, this synod is a, a window open, as John XXIII said for the Vatican II. A window of hope, a window of, of course, faith, but especially for these pastoral attitudes that are necessary more now than ever. Sebastian Gomes covered the Synod in English for Salt and Light Television. Welcome to the Paul VI Audience Hall, the famous hall where the Pope has big meetings with all these different groups of people, especially in the winter time when it's a little bit too cold in St. Peter's Square to hold those great events. Come on inside, let's check it out. This is the famous area where the coffee breaks occur. So in the morning sessions of the Synod of Bishops, all the bishops come downstairs, they meet here, they have sandwiches, and most importantly, they get a chance to speak to each other informally. Uh, a lot of uh, very important business and conversations happen exactly here, uh, around coffee and around a little dolce. Now let's go upstairs and take a look at where the Synod Fathers were, will actually meet 
to discuss these very important topics of the family. Come on, let's take a look. Our good friend Cardinal Tagle right here checking into the Synod of Bishops. I'll just say hello really quickly. Cardinal Tagle, yes. Sebastian from Salt oh, and Light. Yes. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm good doing to very see well. It's very good to see you. Wow. How was your trip? Good, good, good. A little tired. Cardinal Tagle, he's going to be one of those three who actually regulates the conversations on some of the days during the Synod of Bishops. So, this is an example of one of the rooms where the small language groups will meet. We see very important a little chapel here for the Synod Fathers. Go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, this is the hall itself. This is where it all happens. This is where the presidents sit every day. Uh, if we take another step up here to the highest chair, the chair with the armrests is for the Holy Father himself, Pope Francis. He'll be sitting here. He will be overseeing every session of the Synod, and he has made very clear that he wants to come and listen to what everybody has to say. This is the place from where he will listen to everything. So as you can see, this is the Synod Hall. This is where all the action will take place for the first week and also throughout the two weeks of the Synod of Bishops. It's also the place where the, the bishops will meet next year for the Ordinary Synod, which will be the conclusion, the great conclusion of the Synod of Bishops on the challenges to family life in the world today. Archbishop Darmid Martin of Ireland. It's very interesting that both Pope John Paul and Pope Francis chose the family as the theme of their first synod. Uh, I believe that comes from probably their experience as diocesan bishops, which they've, they've grappled with uh, the fact, knowing the fact that the formation of the faith, the transmission of the faith, has to take place in families. Well, the family is the thing, the element that would bring stability into society. Sebastian Gomes from Perspectives. The Pope himself decided to intervene and give a, an address. He told the story about uh, the February 2014 consistory of cardinals where Cardinal Casper gave an address about family life and there were a number of responses. And he recalled that one of his cardinals had told him that some other cardinals were afraid to really speak their minds because in the presence of the Pope they were not sure how that would be interpreted. The Pope said today that this is not synodality. This is not what he wants. He wants an open and honest conversation, but always in a very charitable way, in a very charitable atmosphere. Cardinal Basilius Klimis Thotunkal of India. I may have my own personal opinion about one point of the family, but how does the church as a whole respond to it? Uh, so I think the Holy Father's special attention on that word, synodality, makes a big difference. Patriarch Fuad Tual of the Holy Land. I'm happy to bring here uh, our, our uh, challenges from the Middle East, our situation in the Holy Land, in all the Middle East. Often I said that we are a church of Calvary, that's right. And for sure the families are, 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 are suffering with us from this situation. Major Archbishop Sviatoslav Shurchuk of Ukraine. I'm conveying the voice of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church which is suffering right now in the very critical situation. In the moment when uh, your world is falling apart, a family is your last defense. The Synod of Bishops is a place where different voices can be heard, but this, the first synod under Pope Francis, was also about a much needed reform of the synod structure itself. Sebastian Gomes now speaks with Cardinal Walter Casper of Germany. Synods have been around for 50 years. 
what has been lacking in the last 50 years that, that there's a desire for, for more in the synod? Well, uh, there was no real communication often in the synods. It was too formalistic with the speeches to listen from the morning to the uh, evening to, speech, uh, to speeches of five minutes. It's uh, boring. And therefore, the Pope wants more communication within the synod. And now Sebastian Gomes speaks with Cardinal George Pell of Australia. Considering some of those changes that might happen, what would you like to see? You've been at many synods before. What would you like to see? I, I've been at many synods, and these sort of meetings are intrinsically unsatisfactory. Uh, and that is why uh, such synods have not been the norm in most periods of church history, because they're unwieldy. One ambition, of course, is to have the free times, more times for discussion, where, in fact, Ideas are taken and followed and discussed. We've never achieved that in the Synod because the free times have been taken up with people making more speeches. We also covered the Synod in French. Our coverage was led by Charles Le Bourgeois. He spoke with Cardinal Christoph Schonborn of Austria about the issue of divorce. Let's not forget the ones who suffer more than the divorce and remarried, their children, that is to say, the children who have to go through their parents' divorce. I speak out of experience because I lived this when I was 13 years old, when my own parents separated. Once in school, a young person asked me what had been the most difficult moment in my life. Spontaneously, I answered that it was the day I found out my parents were getting a divorce. There is nothing simple about the challenges to family life today, and that was evident from the wide range of topics raised inside the Synod. Archbishop John Ha Tiang Hock of Malaysia. In Malaysia, the government is very pro-Islam, and there is a law. Any non-Muslim marries a Muslim, uh, that non-Muslim must become a Muslim. And so this is a problem, although I think that many of our Catholics who are caught in this situation still do still think that they are Catholics, they are not Muslims. Archbishop Paul-André Durocher of Canada. One of the things we need to do is we need to listen uh, a lot to contemporary society. We need to be able to see what it is in society that uh, can be open to the church's teaching. Cardinal Oscar Rodriguez Maradiaga of Honduras. Poverty is a big obstacle for Christians who would like to start a family. First of all, because they have no place to live. How can you start? Even the birds need a nest. And if you look nowadays in most of the places to buy a house, it's almost impossible for the poor. There were also lay people who participated in the Synod. Riyad Azo is from Iraq. The topics that were discussed in the Synod, most of them were not so common in Iraq, but we have our own, like uh, emigration, due to the sufferings of the conditions that are now in the country, especially during the last three months when the ISIS groups, terrorist groups, attacked Iraq and 100,000 people of Christian villages left their homes. We also covered the Synod in Chinese. 
Rodney Leung led our coverage. He spoke with Cardinal John Tong Hong of Hong Kong. We all know that family challenges exist. Therefore, to face the problems, we suggested the promotion of education and formation in the church. Formation in the church is very important. Concerning that formation, we encourage pre-marriage preparation. Also, there are participants here from mainland China, and they have shared their experiences with us, and we also shared our experiences with them, so that we can learn together. Alicia Ambrosio is the host of Vatican Connection. This week, we look at hotly debated topics at the Synod, the final report, and we find out why Paul VI is on the road to sainthood. This week, the general working sessions ended and the Synod participants started meeting in small groups. Just before that, though, the so-called midterm report was published, or the Relatio. It revealed that the bishops spoke quite openly about several issues, including people in same-sex relationships and how they can be valued and welcomed in parishes. Secular media proclaimed that the Church is undergoing a drastic change in tone, finally opening to gays, and then certain bishops lambasted the Relator General for publishing the report and the other Synod members for even daring to discuss such topics. Well, that led to a couple interesting days of interviews and press briefings. At the press briefings, the English language assistant was Father Thomas Rosica. Another point that came up, which was a sobering point, uh, one of the bishops said, we are not doctors who can heal every single disease or ailment. That, that means let's not become despairing or hopeless because we don't have the solutions to all of the problems that emerge, but we do have the language of mercy that can help people. In the small group discussions in week two, it became evident that most bishops wanted to preserve the strong pastoral tone that infused the discussions from week one. Archbishop Ignatius Suharjo Harduadmojo of Indonesia. I can hear so many opinions, even contrasting opinions. They speak theologically, morally, according to the canon law. But for my people, this kind of theological reflection doesn't work too much. Archbishop John Dew of New Zealand. We had a huge number of people responding for, for our country, but 25% of the respondents were, were non-practicing Catholics. And the message was that it's impossible when we're told that because we're using contraception, we're intrinsically evil, or that we're living in an irregular situation, that the language is so negative that it doesn't help us. So my intervention was, let's not be concentrating on rules, but looking for language that helps people and encourages people in their journey to God. Archbishop Philip Tartaglia of Scotland. There's been a very strong tone of, of pastoral concern for people in difficult situations. Of course, it's not just about exceptions. We've got to also encourage people, normal Catholic parents and families who are living family life with its joys and struggles. So that needs to be endorsed big time. Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle of the Philippines. Let us not stereotype persons, countries, local churches. We are here all of us are, have something to contribute, but all of us are also learners. 
On the last day of the Synod, the bishops voted on the final text. Pope Francis decided to publish it immediately. And then he addressed the bishops for the first time since the opening session. He spoke of the temptations that he witnessed among the bishops and gave a beautiful discourse on the role of the church today. It was followed by a four-minute standing ovation, an unprecedented occurrence in the history of the synods. At the general audience on December 10, 2014, Pope Francis said, Some of you may ask me that the fathers argue. I do not know if they argued, but they spoke firmly. Yes, really. And this is freedom. It is the freedom that is found in the Church. Everything happened with Peter and under Peter. And at the end, through my intervention, I gave a concise summary of the Synod experience. So the three official documents that came out of the Synod are the final message, the final report, and the final address of the Pope. There are no others. Now, this final report is sent to the particular churches where the work of prayer, reflection, and fraternal discussion will be done in preparation for the next assembly. This is the Synod of Bishops. Change yourself and the world around you with a graduate degree from Loyola's Institute of Pastoral Studies. Loyola's degree programs will give you the skills you need to serve others in the information age. Our brand new digital communication concentration combines Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use social media and other digital platforms for outreach and evangelization. To learn more about Loyola's graduate programs and other courses we offer, head to luc.edu ips. You're listening to a special from Synod to Synod edition of the Salt and Light Hour, taped at the St. Michael's College School Center for Performing Arts in Toronto in January 2015. If you want to watch our behind-the-scenes Synod video, go to saltandlighttv.org synod. Here now is Father Thomas Rosica. I'd like to begin with a few remarks and then turn it over to my colleagues. Many say that the October 2014 Extraordinary Synod and it was called extraordinary because it was not in the ordinary cycle of every four years, but this was to be a preparatory synod for the big one next September. Many say this synod was the first time since Blessed Paul VI established this organ of collegiality 50 years ago. You may have heard, not through Salt and Light, but you may have heard or read that this synod was all about changing the foundations and the teaching and the doctrine of the church, especially on marriage and sexual morality. This is not true. It was about the pastoral care that the church strives to people, strives to offer to people, the care that's known as the motherly love of the church, especially when facing very difficult moments and experiences in family life. You may have heard that the synod represented a great defeat for Pope Francis or that he was terribly disappointed at his outcome. It was anything but a disappointment that you saw there in his face. It is totally false that the Pope was disappointed. At the Synod, he invited the Universal Church on a journey stretched out over two years to reflect on the joys and hopes, dark moments and light moments of what it means to be family. And at the end of two extremely intense weeks, and boy, were they intense, Francis spoke at length 
about the joy and satisfaction that was found in those two weeks. He told us to look deeply into our hearts to see how God touched each one of us and to see how we may have been tempted away from the promptings of the Holy Spirit. On that first Monday when we gathered together in early October, Francis requested of the Synod participants freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And this was relatively new in the Synod Hall. I myself took part in the Synod on the Word of God in 2008 at the invitation of Pope Benedict, where I served as the English language press person. Apparently I did a bad job because I was told to come back in 2012 to serve at the Synod on the New Evangelization. And at that Synod, I was, in, I was asked to bring Sebastian Gomes and Charles with me, who documented the Synod from the inside. I think they were the youngest people in that huge assembly, and certainly two lay people who had free access both upstairs and downstairs. And for this extraordinary synod, Salt and Light Television offered our services to the Vatican to provide insiders' views from English, French, and Chinese. And by Chinese, Mandarin and Cantonese. And they were there for all of the sessions, upstairs and downstairs. And we had free access to all of the participants in the synod and especially the president of the Synod, the man in white. They saw him much more than I did, and God knows how many selfies they have taken with Pope Francis. <laughs> Francis asked for freedom at this Synod, and he got it. The Synod functioned very well because Francis gave it the freedom to do so. He told us at the beginning that there was no place for censorship or self-censorship. Although press coverage was a bit hit and miss, depending on what part of the world you were in, we did our best to share these film footage and video clips and stories with the entire world. That's our filming from our crew that was in Rome. At the heart of this synod was the love of a man and wife and the significance of family. But in the world we are living in, we cannot pretend for one moment that the family is not under siege and there are many challenges to marriage and to family life. The October Preparatory Synod sought to offer a pastoral impulse to the world today, to look at things and to question things, and to say, how can we present marriage in a better way? How can we speak about family life in a better way to make it enticing and appealing? There was a midterm report which caused a big stir the second week in October on your Canadian Thanksgiving. It was anything but Thanksgiving for us on that particular day. But as Pope Francis said in his final words, there are only three documents to consider from this synod. There is the final report, the message to the people of God, and the Pope's masterful address on the evening of October the 18th in the synod hall at about 6.30 in the evening. He literally brought the house down and moved us deeply. After the two-week synod, a final report has come out called the Lineamenta, the preparatory document, which is now sent out to all of the dioceses of the world. And the request of the Pope is that we take it seriously and we study that report. We look at the propositions that were proposed, those which received the absolute majority and those which received the simple majority. And the Vatican has also added 46 questions for our reflection. 
And hopefully that's taking place in different parts of dioceses across this country and across the world. <clears throat> Let me just offer you this thought in the end. One of the themes that Pope Francis has spoken of right from the beginning is that the church is a great field hospital. Everybody thinks this is a novel invention, a novel expression, that the Pope speaks about the church as healing wounds. But the expression that the Pope used was really not his own. It comes from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Society of Jesus, his religious order. It's a beautiful expression when you stop to think of it, because field hospitals are usually terminology for a zone that's under war, under siege. We speak about field hospitals in a war zone, in a catastrophe zone. And so the questions we have to ask ourselves are, what are the battlegrounds? If the church is the field hospital today, what are the battles that are being waged around us? And this synod tried to address and respond to some of those battles and not pretend that they don't exist. For example, one of the battles that's very common and that's very obvious to us is the battle of the significance of marriage and why so many people are choosing not to get married and not to enter into permanent commitment. The battle that many people are waging in childless societies. Why is there a market push for euthanasia in so many countries? Because we don't have children. We don't have somebody to bring up the ranks and to continue the circle of life. And of course, we have the battle that Paul VI tried to address in his own day of the prevention of births, birth control, which has brought about its own difficulties. But at the same time, it's a question that requires extraordinary mercy and understanding on the part of the church. And there were a lot of side issues that were discussed as were touched upon in the video. Issues, what do we do with the children of same-sex couples? How do we deal with divorced and remarried people who wish to be part of the church and who struggle because they're prevented from receiving the Eucharist? All of those questions are part of the mission of the field hospital, which is the church. That's what the synod was about. And the synod invites all of us on a journey because the word synodos in Greek means walking together. And we walked together with Francis and we continue that walk. Sebastian, correct me. <laughs> thank you very much, Father Tom, and thank you all for coming. It's wonderful to see you and it's wonderful to uh, be able to share a little bit of the experience that we had uh, we've done a number of these uh, talks for different groups of people, and um, because of the great privilege that we were offered, uh, we feel a profound responsibility to share with as many people as possible uh, that experience that we had. Uh, and of course, it's uh, our and your right, uh, uh, if you're a Catholic or an active member of a, of a church, uh, to participate in this whole event that's going on in the Universal Church right now. We all know Father Tom uh, was at this synod in, a, in an official capacity. You saw his name key there for the Holy See press office alongside Father Lombardi. Um, I was there really as a journalist, uh, and so I'm approaching this as a journalist. Uh, and in that sense, because I'm not under any official oath, I can put aside what he said and tell you what really happened. <laughs> um, but I do want to approach it. Uh, the, what I, my remarks this evening 
from the lens of a journalistic lens. Uh, on November 3rd, it was only a short time after the Synod ended, uh, UCA News uh, in Asia published a summary article of the Synod. And the article was titled, Was the 2014 Synod a win or a loss for Pope Francis? Uh, and I really like this title. Uh, because I think it reflects some of the attributes of the mainstream media and its coverage of this particular synod. The title is, if you think about it, um, overly simplistic. It's also filled with intrigue. And it's highly polarized. And as I mentioned, I think these are qualities that in some way, shape, or form affected uh, a good uh, chunk of the media that was covering the synod. Now, it's important to note that the media had a very powerful impact and influence on this synod, both inside and out. Uh, and so in that sense, to say something, to say anything about the synod, means also to say something about the media that covered the synod. First of all, I just want to say who was present, very briefly. Inside the synod were 114 presidents of bishops' conferences. You saw in the video our own Archbishop Paul-André Durocher from Gatineau, representing Canada. There were 13 rep representatives of the Eastern churches. There were 25 heads of Vatican departments, nine members of the permanent synod council uh, in Rome, three members of religious orders, particularly heads of religious orders, including the, the head of the Society of Jesus, Pope Francis's or Cardinal Bergoglio's or Jorge Mario Bergoglio's former uh, uh, superior. Now the, the tide has turned a little bit there. Uh, 26 personal appointments of the Pope for a total of 191 bishops and uh, delegates who had voting uh, power. There were 62 other delegates, including 14 married couples, who in a, in a new uh, addition to the Synod of Bishops were actually asked to address the Synod at the beginning of every single session. So each session at this Synod, unlike any other before, was begun by the, uh, a reflection by a married couple. The total number of participants was 253. Let me talk a little bit about our role. We were obviously there uh, covering it uh, for salt and light on the inside, but we were also given a grave responsibility from the Vatican uh, to post a lot of the interviews that we were doing and the video on the Vatican's website. So as Father Tom mentioned at the beginning, this coverage was going all around the world. The Vatican's media strategy is very important to note. Um, they decided at this synod not to publish the interventions of the synod fathers. This was something new. In the past, the interventions that were prepared by each bishop uh, was published, or at least a summary of it was publish, published. But in this whole effort to try to reform the synod structure, the Vatican uh, wanted to give a little bit more freedom to the synod fathers, so that even if they had a prepared text, if they were listening to something interesting and they wanted to respond to it directly, they had that freedom to do so. Interestingly, among the media, this was really perceived as censorship. Uh, and people were asking, you know, why in the era, era of transparency under Pope Francis, that we're taking a step back and not making these interventions public. Father Tom mentioned the uh, midterm report that caused a lot of controversy, and I think it's important to touch on this as well. 
After the first week of the Synod, and you saw the pictures where everybody is in that big room, this document is really a summary document, a reflection of the conversation that's been had so far, you know, pointing in a direction for the coming week, uh, and that document is taken by the uh, small language groups and dissected, and there's amendments written, and there's different conversations about the different points, and then at the end of the second week, everybody comes back, and they try to put, it, put all the changes into a, a final document, and that obviously became eventually the lineamenta that we have now. Uh, what went wrong with that? Uh, I mentioned that the interventions of the bishops weren't published. Um, the midterm report was published, and a lot of people raised questions. We were sitting inside the Synod Hall while that report was being read for the first time by the Cardinal uh, General who was at the head table with, with the Pope, uh, and it was being published to the press at exactly the same time. And after it was read in the Synod Hall, there were a number of bishops and cardinals who raised very significant questions about the content of that document. And the question immediately arose, why is this thing being published when we haven't had a chance to talk about this? The Vatican's response uh, was this. Uh, first of all, that the midterm report has always been published, so this was not something new. And secondly, the coverage was intriguing because there, were so much, there was so much media there. Uh, and in past synods, there had been relatively little media, to be honest, covering a synod, especially at the midterm level, when nothing was official as yet. I think this points to an interesting point that's worth making, which is that a lot of people look at the Vatican and they see uh, a 2,000-year-old institution. Certainly, the, the bureaucratic structure of the Vatican is at least centuries old as we know it, although it's undergoing a radical transformation right now. Um, but we tend to think of it as a well-oiled machine. And uh, in reality, it's quite different. Uh, there's many different um, variables in trying to do something effective and try to do something efficient. And oftentimes, we see things that when, through our lenses here in North America, our way of thinking about things and doing things, uh, it doesn't sort of work in that uh, Italian bureaucratic way of doing it. Um, in that midterm report, a new language was proposed about how to speak uh, about different issues and different challenges inside the church. Um, you can read that report. It's readily available. Uh, I just want to mention, uh, I'm just going to quote a little part of it that I think sort of summarizes this kind of new language, this new approach that I'm talking about. Every broken family should, above all, be heard with respect and love, and be accompanied on their journey as Christ accompanied the disciples on the road to Emmaus. In a particular way, the words of Pope Francis apply in these situations. Quote, the church will have, will have to initiate everyone, priests, religious, and laity, into an art of accompaniment, which teaches us to remove our sandals before the sacred ground of the other. The pace of this accompaniment must be steady and reassuring, reflecting a closeness and compassion, which at the same time heals, liberates, and encourages growth in the Christian life. And you can see that that kind of language is infused with a pastoral sense of realizing the situations that people are in uh, and trying to accompany as best we can in a very positive and respectful and humble way. There were two reactions inside the Synod after that midterm report that uh, the media kind of picked up on. Uh, 
um, and is true. Uh, the first was uh, fear, that this report had communicated things that, this, that some cardinals and bishops did not want the church to be communicating. Uh, and as I mentioned, there's a very particular issues. One that everybody picked up on was with the language that the church used uh, about homosexuality and welcoming homosexuals in the church and what implications that has. The other attitude, and this was by far the majority attitude, was considering that initial reaction of fear by some, um, how can we ensure that the spirit, especially this pastoral spirit, that was uh, an, an authentic reflection of what was happening in that first week, how can we make sure that that remains into the final document? Because there was a sense that this reaction might uh, sort of skew in an opposite direction some of that very positive pastoral spirit that was, that was very present in the first week. And I had bishops, we were talking to bishops during the coffee breaks and stuff saying, uh, right after that report was published, gosh, you know, I really hope that we can somehow keep this very positive spirit that came out in the midterm report because that was authentic to the discussions the first week. Did the media get the story right? Uh, if you followed the mainstream media, you probably heard that this was a synod of two issues. The first, as I mentioned, was homosexuality, and the second was communion for divorced and remarried Catholics. Uh, I can assure you that these were not the only issues. We heard some of the bishops from around the world in the video uh, talking about the very serious problems that they face. Um, I'm just going to run through very quickly, uh, as far as I could tell from the notes that I was madly taking during each of the general uh, sessions, what the main topics were. Of course, those two that I mentioned were, were discussed. As Archbishop, soon to be Cardinal Dew mentioned in the video, the need to change the language of the church's teaching. This was a very common intervention among the bishops. Uh, exactly what he said, that the language of natural law or talking about people as disordered or irregular doesn't help, them, doesn't help people come to God, and we need to look at that more closely. Economic injustices forced migration. The reality of families breaking up, not like in our, mostly in our part of the world, because of a loss or lack of love or a commitment or whatever, but because people need to find jobs. People need to leave their families in order to find work to send money back to them. That's a family breakup, but one that's against the will of the family members themselves. Persecution of Christian families in the Middle East and, East and parts of Africa. You saw the Iraqi couple that spoke about how uh, divorce and communion for divorce and remarried people is not so big an issue, but uh, the violence of some radical Islamists in their country is. Uh, and suddenly a new perspective uh, is given to you when you see that pastoral reality. The importance of marriage and family preparation. Many bishops said, think of how much money we spend on uh, annulment tribunals. Are we spending that much time and resources and energy into family and marriage preparation? I think of it as like the healthcare debate. You know, preventative care is actually much more affordable, if you will, than emergency care. Uh, and so how can we kind of put our energy and resources into that and help accompany people along their journey? Interestingly, polygamy, which I didn't realize before the Synod, was a major issue in parts of Africa. Uh, one bishop in Nigeria told us a very funny story 
uh, about a man who, uh, ha, who is in his diocese and is a very active member of the church, but not a Catholic, not a baptized Catholic. And he has four wives and 16 children. And uh, the bishop was speaking to him before he came to the synod. And uh, he said, you know, Bishop, I'm not sure, you know, why you Catholics have this issue with, uh, you know, polygamy. Like, I see it as contributing to the buildup of the people of God. Look at all the people I'm bringing with me, you know. Uh, you know, but the bishop said um, quite openly that, um, you know, the church demands single husband, single wife family. Uh, but in our culture... What do we do with the other three wives? And what do we do with the other 12 children? Do we tell him that, or do we tell those other three wives to just leave? What happens to them in a society where their security, financially and otherwise, is dependent on having a complete family cell? And of course, uh, I'll just mention this, uh, two more. Uh, how do we find the seeds of goodness that are in people and their different situations, even if they're not the ideal. Uh, this was a huge one, and you can kind of tell by that pastoral sense that I was talking about, uh, that, that way of looking at things. And finally, the need to encourage and affirm people who are doing their best to actually live the Catholic ideals of marriage and family life. Essentially, the real issue of this synod, and it's the same question for the next synod, is considering that the Catholic Church has certain ideals or teachings about marriage and family life, and considering that the reality of so many people around the world in every culture and every context uh, can fall short of that ideal, how do we bridge those two worlds? And how do we do it with an authentic Christian uh, spirit that is both faithful to the tradition, but also faithful to the radical compassion and mercy and love of the founder of our religion, who is Jesus Christ. I'll just leave you with this uh, quote from Pope Francis's recent message for World Communications Day, where I think he kind of summarizes this. He said, quote, More than anywhere else, the family is where we daily experience our own limits and those of others, the problems great and small entailed in living peacefully with others. A perfect family does not exist. We should not be fearful of imperfections, weakness, or even conflict, but rather learn how to deal with them constructively. The family, where we keep loving one another despite our limits and sins, becomes a school of forgiveness. That was Salt and Light producer Sebastian Gomes, who covered the extraordinary synod of bishops on the family in English for Salt and Light Television. You're listening to a special from Synod to Synod edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Learn more at saltandlighttv.org slash synod. Here again is Father Thomas Rosica. Now I will invite Charles Bourgeois from Versailles to speak to us in an extremely romantic English accent with French touch. Yeah. Hello everybody, thank you very much for coming. It's a pleasure to, to share my experience. So the first thing that uh, struck me uh, during this synod was the difference between what we read in the press and what we experienced first on inside the synod. As well as expressing themselves on a wide variety of ecclesial situations, a large majority of the synod fathers spoke out in favor of encouraging families who are faithful to their Christian marriage. According to the bishops, the Christian families need to be supported in a context 
that is not favorable to them. According to the bishops, we have to recognize the value of the sacrament of marriage, which is the basis of Christian families. They instituted upon the necessity of solid marriage preparation, one that will be more extensive and more demanding, some justified by saying that it was more important to have fewer marriages than to have many who fail. On this aspect, the father found common ground. We have to help spouses understand the sacramental character of their union and remind them to the fundamental truth of the sacrament of marriage. Indissolubility, unity, faithfulness, openness to life. Since it's a vocation for life, marriage should be rigorously prepared, explained what bishop. In fact, many years in the novitiate, seven years are required to form a future priest, and only one meeting with a priest for an engaged couple. Regarding this imbalance, the Synod Fathers also pleaded in favor of formation after marriage to accompany them personally. As the debates progressed, I became more aware of the complexity of what was the stake during the Synod, remaining faithful to Christ and to the doctrine of the Church, always thinking the mercy of the Gospel, finding a balance between a dogmatic and a pastoral approach, between charity and concern for the truth. Personally, I believe we can and must be conf confident for our mother, the church, his holy, and she is in a good hands. When she works in the way of synodality, when she expresses herself in communion through a variety of charisms, she cannot go wrong. And even if there are debates on divisions, these are legitimate and it's better that way. The Pope is the first to recognize it. Those that predict, predicted a battle between conservative and progressives forgot one invisible advocate, the Holy Spirit. It's the same one who, through all of history, carried this boat regardless of who was leading it, even when the reserves were agitated and its pastors were unfaithful and sinners. Thank you very much. That was Salt and Light producer Charles Le Bourgeois, who covered the extraordinary Synod of Bishops on the Family in French for Salt and Light Television. You're listening to a special from Synod to Synod edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn more at saltandlighttv.org slash synod. Here again is Father Tom Rosica. And now I turn it over to Rodney Leon, the head of our Chinese department at Salt and Light Television. Good evening, everyone. I'm Rodney Lang. I will speak in Chinese, and Father Tom will be my translator. <laughs> he will speak in English. <laughs> okay, so before the Synod uh, on October 2nd, Pope Francis said, a Synod means walking together and also praying together. From the Synod, I witnessed it the reality of this very statement. There was over 200 people inside the hall where the synod was held, including cardinals, bishops, lay couples from various continents from, from the world, of the world, like from Asia, Africa, North America, etc. They gathered together not only for the meeting, but also for celebrating a reunion in the church 
we would have opening prayer and closing prayer every day. Could you imagine how powerful and touching it was when all the men, the bishops, sang out the hymn and the prayer together? It was a very a moment so beautiful and so filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a family reunion. Everyone shared their experience, uncertainties, and suggestions about the pastoral challenges to the family in the context of evangelization. At that moment, I felt the church was alive. Although every participant's speech was limited to four minutes, same with me right now. <laughs> they spoke their minds very freely. It was also a great opportunity for them to open their hearts and listen to each other. Why they could speak so freely? One of the reasons was they had to turn off their cell phone. <laughs> no Facebook, no Twitter. Everybody just focused on the meeting and listened to one another. Some family challenges are similar in certain countries. But the implication behind these challenges are very different from one culture to another. Everyone in the Senate agree that one main cause of the all family problems is the economy. Economic problems such as parents lacking time in the family because of work, unemployment, leading to a closed mind towards life, even divorce. And the extreme case is resulting in a war. One current challenge of the church is, how could all bishops, pastors, their flock in their mind, in their own countries, on the church teachings and the truth about families? This is a big question for them. During those two weeks, they will provide an amazing time to share their challenges and to listen to the stories from the lay couples. All who participate in discussion and debates have contributed to the Synod, even though there was no single answer or consensus at the moment. Their contributed work and thoughts would be used as preparatory materials and working documents for the Synod in 2015. I noticed one profound subject of this Synod was that, unlike some would have hoped, the Synod is not about changing the church teachings, but it is a vehicle to impl implement the teachings and the doctrines of the church in face of the many different family problems. We have to understand the meaning of mercy from Jesus Christ. The true meaning of mercy is to bring people to the truth. The full name of the synod of this time is the Third Extraordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. It's just a stage of preparing for the synod that is to come in October 2015. There is still a long way ahead 
for the church and for the faithful. Let us all learn not to judge, but to love and pray with people for all people. I am very thankful that such a night could become part of the historical moments in the church history, especially for our Chinese programming. It was a fruitful lesson for us to cover the synod in Chinese. It was my first time going to Italy and also my very first time to meet the Pope face to face. Despite he is 78 years old, he is full of joy to meet the people. But I realized how tired he was during the synod. And this was what I said to him when I shook his hand during one of the coffee breaks. I said, Papa Francesco, I will pray for you. And Pope Francis paused for a second and then looked at me and speak in English. You pray for me? I said, yes, I pray for you. And Pope replied loudly, I need it. <laughs> so let us pray for Pope Francis every day. For sure, he is praying for us every day too. Let us also keep all the cardinals and bishops in our prayer. May the Holy Spirit be with them always and guide them in the synod in this October. Lastly, thank you for your prayer and your generous support to Satanite. Thank you very much. That was Salt and Light producer Rodney Liang, who covered the extraordinary synod on the family in Chinese for Salt and Light Television. From Synod to Synod was taped at the St. Michael's College School Center for the Performing Arts in Toronto in January 2015. Here now is Father Tom Rosica with the conclusion. Before I conclude the, with the final prayer, I want to thank you for being here with us this evening. I think this is the first such gathering in this diocese, in this synod to synod journey. Other dioceses are doing different things. I've been involved in several of these events across the country and in the United States. This is a wonderful example of one of the many things that Salt and Light Television does. We're not just pretty faces on TV, but we try to encourage dialogue what the church is asking us to do. I want to thank many of you that are here who are our donors, our benefactors. All of this is possible because of the generosity of people across this country who have found now, after almost 13 years, that Salt and Light is a great place to come and to feel church and to be church and to learn about the church. Someone came in tonight and told me in the corridor, thank God for Salt and Light. It saved my life these past years. And I hear that very often from people. So I want to thank you. Let's conclude now with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the Synod Prayer to the Holy Family, written by Pope Francis. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, in you we contemplate the splendor of true love. To you we turn with trust. Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that our families too may be places of communion and prayer, authentic schools of the gospel and small domestic churches. Holy Family of Nazareth, may families never again experience violence, rejection, and division. May all who have been hurt or scandalized find ready comfort and healing. Holy Family of Nazareth, may the approaching Synod of Bishops in 2015 make us once more mindful of the sacredness and inviolability of the family and its beauty in God's plan. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, graciously hear our prayer.
Amen. Thank you very much. That was Father Tom Rosica, Chief Executive Officer of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. He was joined today by Salt and Light producers Sebastian Gomes, Charles Le Bourgeois, and Rodney Leung, who each covered the Synod on the Family, respectively, in English, French, and Chinese. To watch the video of this presentation, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. You can also find it on our Salt and Light Roku channel on demand for people in Canada, the United States, Ireland, and the UK. The behind-the-scenes of the Synod video and all our coverage of the Synod on the Family can be found at saltandlighttv.org synod but I'm going to put all those links on our radio page so you can find them all easily. Remember that if you go to saltandlighttv.org, that's where you can find all our series. Perspectives Daily with Stefan Slovak, Vatican Connections with Alicia Ambrosio, Witness with Father Tom Rosica, Point of View with Sebastian Gomes, and the weekly edition of Perspectives hosted by me, Deacon Pedro, and many, many more. If you go to our website, you can watch them on demand. You can also watch all these series on your Roku. Go to saltandlighttv.org and find out how you can get Salt and Light on your Roku. On our website, also, is where you can learn about all our documentaries, many that you can watch pay-per-view on Vimeo. See, Salt and Light is everywhere. Learn all about what we do at saltandlighttv.org. And of course, if you missed any part of this program or any Salt and Light Hour programs, all those are also at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. So no excuses for missing the Salt and Light Hour. If you have any questions about the show or what you hear on the show, send me a message via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. That's it for today. Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special Synod to Synod edition of the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>